Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the Donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. Who do you love more? Who do you love more? What a tough question to ask a kid, or apparently not, I guess. My favorite one was, uh, would you trade your dad for Spider-Man? Okay. There was like no hesitation in his response. Um, So uh, it appears that more kids like their moms over their dads. So let's just find out. Kids in the room, do you like your mom more than your dad? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if that's true. Yeah, yeah, okay, we've got <laughs> He doesn't count yet, okay? In the back, yep, I see you, okay. Anyone else over here, you prefer your mom? Thank you for your honesty. Yeah, all right, fathers, we need to do better by Father's Day, okay? We need to do better. Uh, if you haven't guessed yet, it's Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to every, uh, every mom um, in the room, soon-to-be mom, and uh, also just any, any woman in the room that's really invested in uh, another. Happy Mother's Day to you too. Um, men, if you've forgotten, if you've forgotten it's Mother's Day today, don't worry. After the service, we have Mother's Day cups over here that you can go and grab and give to your, your wife or your mom. We've got you. Don't worry. Um, just give her that mug and maybe... Uh, Maybe also make some lunch for her after that, do the dishes for a week, maybe walk the dog, take the kids to school, do laundry, some breakfast, lunch, dinner. Maybe if you keep doing that, you'll save face at some point. Maybe, I think, I hope, I don't know. You're on your own at this point. I've done everything possible as a pastor. Anyways, we're, we're continuing our study on the book of James. Um, So we're starting a new series, though, while continuing on the book of James. So uh, it's a new series called Contradictions. So let me ask you this question to start off. How do we work through contradictions in life? How do we work through contradictions in life? Each one of us in the room has favorites, of course. Uh, Some you would prefer more than another. For example, I like the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Raptors, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Others of you might like some other team that doesn't matter at all. Um, Or when it comes to music, I like rock, while others of you might like country. (laughs) Uh, You might have a favorite ice cream. Mine is Boo Boo Bubble. It's the only ice cream that you can keep chewing after you've finished. Ergo, I've made a lot of financial wise decisions in that one. So it just makes sense. But, but uh, we have differing views and, and favorites all the time. And we face contradictions every single day in life. Uh, if you've ever driven in a vehicle for a long distance of time with someone who has musical taste that you don't care for, it is excruciating. Anyone agree to that? Yes, yes. Maybe you've married into that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Make wise decisions when you start dating, right? Find out those kind of things. 
Um, but what about when these contradictions in life are of greater value of importance? What about issues like uh, love? What about issues like how we live? What about contradictions when it comes to what I want versus what God wants? Uh, what I favor over what you favor? And uh, what about what God says we should favor? So this is what James is getting into uh, when he's writing to the persecuted church in Jerusalem. So open up your Bibles and your Bible apps if you have that. We're going to James chapter 2. James chapter 2 says this, My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? For example, suppose someone comes into your, your meeting dressed in fancy clothes. I see fancy clothes over there. Good style right there. All right. Dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry. And another comes who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or I'll sit on the floor. Well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? Whose noble name you bear. So if we could get anything right off the bat from what James is teaching us, it's that we need to avoid favoring those that would advance us. If you're taking notes, that would be the first point to avoid favoring those that advance us. What James is saying here is to not let public opinion influence how you live out your life, how you live out your faith, a faith that is Christ, uh, that Christ exemplified for us and a faith that we're called to in, uh, imitate. We have to avoid favoring those that would advance us. It's the, it's the old saying that just because everyone else in, is doing it doesn't mean you have to what? Do it. Doesn't mean you have to do it. And I know this is easier said than done. I know it is. But it's, it's still really hard. Actually, I remember um, just uh, uh, a couple summers ago, um, I went whitewater rafting with my family up north. And we're going down the rapids. My heart is pumping. My legs and knees are, are buckling. Arms are tired. My head is moving around like a bobblehead doll. And, and suddenly we hit this giant rapid that tips our raft over. And at this point, we've all been tossed out of the boat and we're just heading, making our way downstream. We're being pushed by this huge current. Now, what they teach you is when this happens, what you need to do is you actually need to either swim to the boat or swim to the shore. Whatever you do, don't let the current take you down because you could get caught, caught under a, a riptide or you could uh, hit some jagged rocks at the, at, the end of the, uh, at the end of the stream. Sounds like fun, right? Anyone want to go uh, whitewater rafting now, get hit with jagged rocks and all that? Sounds like fun, right? The easy thing to do, though, 
in that situation would actually be to ride out the current rather than swim to shore to the boat. But it's not the safest because of the dangers that lie ahead. And it's the same way when it comes to us allowing public opinion to influence your faith. It seems easier just to go along with people's opinions, not knowing that just downstream, there are things that could destroy your life. And for some of you in the room, you can resonate with this. This this makes a lot of sense to you because you've been burned before by following public opinion, by following the crowd. And so you've been hurt or injured as you played this out. And so what James is doing here in this moment, he's saying that we should live out our faith in such a way where we're not actually favoring the rich over the poor, not being influenced by public opinions, which looks at how we can advance ourselves, but instead live out Christ, how Christ lived and love everyone equally. Because if you think about it, When you and I start showing favoritism, it's not only discrimination that reflects evil motives in us, but it also reveals a self-centeredness, which is at the root of every single problem in the world. Every single problem in the world, there's self-centeredness. And if we were to be honest with ourselves today, is that this is something that we wrestle with all the time. And so when we show favoritism towards others, this shows a loyalty to man over loyalty to God. Now, don't get me wrong. It's natural to want to give special attention to the, to the wealthy because uh, they have visible um, things that they can offer us, whether it's power, money, status. You can gain a lot from a wealthy person. But this isn't what God's desire for us is. Just because something seems good to us or good to others doesn't mean it's good to God. Because if we were really honest with ourselves, we would see that favoritism creates division. Favoritism actually creates division in our lives. And you see it in James' context. James is talking about his church where he's saying that the rich were in the front and, and the poor were at the back. And it caused huge division in his church. And I'd say if we were honest about where our society is at, especially down south, we see that there's a lot of division going on right now. And the one place that there needs to be no division is in the church. But in order to do that, we actually need to get away from being divisive and be who God called each one of us to be. The Apostle Paul actually dealt with this too when he was talking about his congregation. He was saying in 1 Corinthians 3, he says, aren't you living like people of the world? When one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, aren't you acting just like people of the world? The truth is, is we actually, in the church, in this, in this room, We need to stop complaining and arguing over trivial things that divide us. 
and start living out a type of faith and life that God called us. One thing I love about um, our church at, at Portico is we are one church, one message. One church, one message, many expressions. Many expressions. Do you actually hear the unity in that? We are one church, all of us here. In every other campus, we are one church with one message and many expressions. And this is how we need to act on a daily basis. We need to be loving one another with one common goal in mind, where favoritism is actually not an option in our church. It not only creates division, but it actually betrays the kingdom that God has designed for us to live in. And this is a kingdom that is promised to anyone and everyone. If you're new here, you belong. This is for everyone who loves God, including the poor, and especially the down and out, those of you who are going through difficult seasons right now. There is no such thing as being less than someone else in this room. Whether you are new or you've been coming for years, you are loved the same here. There are no favorites. Remember, your, your, your mom would probably all say when you would go and compete for her love, right? Let's not worry about dad. Apparently, children don't love their father. But um, the mom, right? It was, it was, mom, who do you love more? You ever ask your mom that question? I know me and my brothers did. Who do you love more? And she would just look at us and she'd be like, I love you all equally. I'm like, no, but seriously, mom, you can, t- you can talk to me after, right? We'll... I know you know, right? (laughs) You're all loved equally here. Uh, Philippians 2 verse 3 says this, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others, but humble yourselves thinking of others as better than yourselves. Be humble thinking of others better than yourself. It's start it, it, it's, it's time we actually start choosing a, a person's character over their clothing, over another person's clothing. Um, I, I'm a huge fan of uh, Martin Luther King Jr. And he once said, don't judge me on the color of my skin, but on the content of my character. Don't judge me on, my, uh, on the color of my skin, but the content of my character. Powerful words. And the truth is, at the end of the day, whether you are rich or poor, whatever your status is, God made both of you in his image. You both are made in his image. And he loves you both equally. So we need to do likewise. We need to actually show favor through God's law of love. James 2 8 to 11, it says this. Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal laws found in Scripture. Love your neighbor as yourself. Another translation says, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing right. You are doing right. But if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. For the person who commits all the laws except one is guilty as a person who has broken all of God's 
laws. The royal law that James is alluding to here is in response to Jesus's teaching to love each other in the same way he's loved us. And this is a law that actually goes back as far as in the Old Testament in Leviticus. And it's the foundation of all laws and how our love for God is to be expressed in relationship with other people. To treat each other how you want to be treated. To treat each other how you would want to be treated. Think about a sibling in the room right now. Treat each other how you would want to be treated. Think of a a situation that you're going in right now where you feel offended. Treat each other how you would want to be treated. Not living with bitterness or in a, a spirit of offense, but treating others how you would want to be treated. Our mission, our goal Our calling is to be, as Matthew 22 says, to love God and to love people. That's our goal in life, is to love God and love people. Keeping this law of love, to love God and love people, is key to keeping all the other laws. All the other laws God called us to obey can be summed up in these two commands, love God, love people. And if we can learn to love God and love people always, to favor all people always, our world would actually look a lot different. Milton would look a lot different if we learn to love God and love all people. The problem is, is we actually, we often get into the habit of withholding love from others. We treat love like it's a, a, a vending machine. Only until you pay up can you get something. And that's one of the biggest problems is we withhold love from each other. Maybe it's based on the fact that you favor another person over someone else. And what they can give you rather than what another is giving you, which isn't good enough. It's not what you want. And this isn't what God's kingdom is about. This isn't what God desires of each one of us. It's, it's not applying God's law of love. In fact, that type of favoritism actually violates the very commandment to love your neighbor. And the Bible says that if you break this law, if you break this instruction, you've actually broken them all. All of them don't matter. I love uh, that passage in Scripture where it says, if I've done all these things but I haven't loved, I've missed the point. I've missed the point. Loving everyone is so important. It's so important to, to, to living out the kind of kingdom that God desires for us. It actually, it reminds me of a story I heard from, uh, it was from 1972, of a a two-year-old Chinese boy named Hugh, who fell from a table and went into a coma. When he woke up uh, six days later, he was unable to talk or move. And like any parent, his mother was terribly distressed. 
And she, she, she was distressed, and, and it multiplied over the fact that she couldn't afford to place him in a nursing home. Instead, she had to care for him herself. And her care has actually shown unfathomable love and the depths of love. You see, because he was unable to move, what would actually happen uh, with him is he would, he would get bed sores all the time. So for the past 30 years, his mother has done something unbelievable for Hugh. She's carried her son on her back. They actually were so impressed with, with what she was doing, they checked in on her in 2002 uh, just to see how she was doing and how her son was doing. And at that time, she was 65 years old. 65 years old, and she weighed a whopping 88 pounds. And her son, now a grown man, weighed 180 pounds. And on many occasions, she actually fell, uh, and she had fractured bones and muscles while carrying her son. Yet, she continues to carry her son in the midst of that. And when people would ask her, how are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Isn't it heavy? She would simply reply, looking at them saying, he ain't heavy, he's my son. He ain't heavy, he's my son. Imagine we had this kind of love that wasn't based on race, wealth, social status, education, but rather the kind of love that this mother had for her son, which society would deem useless or an unnecessary burden, she actually sees as a joy and irreplaceable. This love, love that God has called us to obey, which, which might I add, actually makes a whole lot of logical sense when you read over something like the Ten Commandments. If you, if you took a second, it actually makes a lot of sense. It's very logical. Is that, is that this law, this, this law of love is something that truly sets us free to be who God has originally called you and I to be, each one of us to be. And a lot of the times we actually see these laws as burdens. We, we look at a church or we look at the church. Some of you might, might feel this way. You look at the church and you go, oh, it's a bunch of rules. It's people that are doing a bunch of rules that just seem crazy or just seem legalistic. That's what we see in church. We think they're a bunch of rules. While in actuality, they're, what, are, what they are is they're a list of instructions that will help you thrive and live out the best life you could possibly live. Love God, love each other. Let's think about those rules. Love God, love each other. Isn't that a great way to live? Isn't that the right way to live, to, to love God and love each other? And this this would be a life that is truly freeing if we could operate in this. 
And the law that sets us free governs our actions toward others. James 2, uh, 12 says, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. We need to speak and act in the same way that freedom has come to us. The law God gave us is no longer an external set of rules, but it is a law that sets you and I free, one we joyfully and willfully and willingly carry because we love God and we have his Holy Spirit to to help us and empower us to, to do what he's asked us. So there's no such thing as as favoritism towards some as opposed to others because this new freedom that you and I have in Christ governs our actions to live different and to love more no matter who we encounter in life. I'm I'm reminded of a a story when I was, uh, was pastoring in the Streetsville campus as a young adults pastor. We had a student... Um, come out to our young adults program, and he was uh, a former Jehovah's Witness. And he started coming uh, to our group with his friends. And one day he got upset um, after our meeting, and he kicked a door um, in the foyer. He kicked a door, and he actually smashed it. The glass shattered everywhere. And he came to me completely distraught completely apologetic and worried I was literally going to kick him out of the church for it. And so I just simply said, get out of the church, right? Like, no, I didn't do that. I didn't do that, right? Get out. Get me a box of cookies right? and bring it back to me. That's your, no. Um, uh, if you want to bring me cookies, though, I'm more than happy. Um, but he, he, he pours out his heart and he's so apologetic and he's so distraught and he's waiting for me to scold him. Like he's pale, he's, he's, he's embarrassed, he's full of shame. He, he's just looking for me to just let him have it. And I look at him and I, I, said, I said, hey man, like we all make mistakes, it's okay, don't worry about it, we'll fix it. And he stops and we have this like awkward moment where we're kind of just like looking into each other's eyes because he's really confused. He's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, what do you mean? What do I mean? Like, it's okay. Like, you're forgiven. And he's like, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. And I said, you don't understand forgiveness? Right? And he's like, no, like, I broke, I broke the door. And I'm like, yes, you did. And it's okay. We'll replace it. And he's so baffled by it that he literally runs over to his friends and he's got, God, you wouldn't believe what happened. Like this, this guy literally just like forgave me, told me that like, it's okay, we'll fix it. You know, like no worries. I don't have to do anything. I'm not kicked out of the church, right? And he's, he's shocked by this. He, he's completely uh, floored because uh, of this gesture of love and forgiveness. And actually he still reminds me to this day of that act of love and forgiveness from time to time when I see him. Because it was the first time that he understood what mercy was. 
It was the first time he understood real forgiveness. When something should have been a consequence, and he forgave, or I forgave him. Now, I know some of you in the room, you might look at this story and you might think to yourself, well, you know, like that's, a, that's something really small. It's a, it's, a, it's a small story. It's not a big deal to forgive and show mercy in that context. Because the truth is, is some of you in the room are actually dealing with a whole lot more problems. With uh, um, bigger issues really difficult issues. I mean issues that are just unbearable. It, it's crazy. It's, it's so heavy and so hard on your shoulders, on your mind, on your heart, on your family. And you have a lot of hurt over it. Maybe there's some bitterness and resentment. And forgiveness seems like it's out of the question. And I'm not saying to you that it's easy to, to show the kind of mercy that I, I was able to quickly show um, that student there. Mer- mercy isn't easy. Love isn't always easy. You know that. Forgiveness isn't always easy. It, it's actually really hard. But there's one thing I always try and remind myself. And one thing I try and remind myself always is... is um, I picture, I picture Jesus on the cross. And in the story of, of Jesus on the cross, we know that he's, he's, he's been nailed onto a cross. He, he's been whipped. Um, he's been beaten. He's been spit on. He has a crown of thorns on his head. The Bible says that he had all the power. He could have easily gotten off on the cross. Um, but instead, he's, he's bloody, he's to the point of just no recognition. You can't even tell probably that it's a man up there. And I'm reminded when it comes to forgiving others and showing love towards others and showing mercy towards others, that even in the moment when everyone else that's watching him up there is, is yelling at him, throwing remarks at him, throwing profanity and and anger towards him and mocking him. He does the unthinkable in that moment and he says, forgive them. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. In the midst of all of that, he says, forgive them. And if he can forgive me, because the Bible says that he, he went on to the cross, God went on to the cross to, to take on all of my sin, all of my shame. If he can forgive me in my absolute worst, I can forgive others when they're not at their best. If he can do that for me, I can definitely try and do that for others. And it's a process. It's not easy but it's right. And you see this law of love that sets us free, directs us to do things that don't necessarily make sense in others' eyes, but it's beautiful in God's. You see, and if I can have the band come up, judgment produces judgment, and mercy produces more mercy. 
And just as Christ has been merciful and loving to us, he's shown love to us, we must do the same for others. Not favoring one over another, but rather loving all who are created in his image. And each one of you in this room were created in God's image. This is the type of behavior God desires for each one of us. There's a man by the name of Henry Varley, and he said, the world has yet to see what God can do with and for and through and in a person who is fully and wholly devoted to God. Imagine today if you made the choice to commit to loving God and loving people with everything that you had. Not playing favorites, not giving special attention to someone because they could get you ahead in life, but rather love everyone equally and fully trust in God's direction for your life and your family's life today. Wow. The world has yet to see that, but when it does, when we start being the church and who God has called us to be, wow, things are going to look a lot different. And they can if you put your trust in Him. Love God. Love people. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much uh, for what you're doing in this room. I thank you so much for our, our mothers, their investment into our lives. We have succeeded in life because of the love of a mother. Husbands have succeeded in life because of the love of a wife. And we thank you for them today. We thank you, Lord, that, that you have given us the strength and the courage to live out what you've asked of us to love you and to, to love one another wholeheartedly, not playing favorites. So I just pray for anyone in the room that is struggling with the issue of forgiveness or bitterness or anger, or resentment, whatever it may be, that they might find such immense love well up in their heart because we know that you're here right now, God. That they would find forgiveness, that they would find wholeness, that they would find the strength and the courage to live different and fully trust in you. We put our trust in you, God, to live different. We trust in you. Amen.